I'm Kyle Catridorian. And you're listening to another episode of The Accessible Stall. What are we going to talk about today, Emily? I think it's high time that we had a conversation about internalized ableism. What on earth is internalized ableism? That's a lot of words, even though it's only two. Kyle, I'm so glad you asked. Why don't we unpack that? (laughs) Seriously, though, I would describe internalized ableism as holding on to negative feelings about yourself as a disabled person because of how society perceives disability. That is a very succinct definition. You should be an author or something. What? I've never written a book in my life. I just made that up, actually. What do you think? Would you agree? I think it's a great definition. I do think we need to talk about it a lot (laughs) because we tend to shove it down even further inside ourselves, even though it's already internalized, and then just not admit to the fact that we're feeling it. And I know I have been feeling it a lot lately. You know, it's funny, like growing up, I was like the least disabled kid in my school. And so I, I don't mean to brag. <laughs> um, <but laughs> Humble it, brag. I was the least disabled. <laughs> well, no, I say that because I didn't really get or feel internalized ableism mm-hmm. until like into my adulthood. And and I feel like for you, that's probably not true. Even if you didn't know what it was at the time. Well, that's the key, right? I didn't know what it was. I cannot possibly tell you when I even learned the term ableism, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> yeah. As a disabled person, one day you just wake up with this knowledge in your head. <laughs> Yeah, I think it seeped in by osmosis overnight. I don't know where it came from. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that, okay, I know, at least for me, and for most of the people that I know, you don't just sit down and have the talk, like you have the sex talk, but you don't have the ableism and the internalized ableism talk. I feel like it's this gradual realization that first of all, you live in a world that doesn't really like you. And second of all, it makes you kind of not like yourself. See, that's interesting. I know you're being kind of half funny, but the fact that you grew up with a mother who has not only a disability, but like yours, I would have assumed that if anyone were to have the talk, as it were, it would be you. So it's interesting that that actually never happened. Well, yeah, but I think for me, there was sort of the implication that I should like who I am, but there was never the talk probably because, and I know she gets mad at me when I speak for her. So I'm making an assumption here, but I'm not really because she's told me. My mother also grappled with internalized ableism, but probably didn't have the words to express it. So I think both of us were, but it wasn't until much later in life when I started meeting a lot of other disabled people and having these conversations that I could then go to my mom and be like, yeah, what we're feeling is this self-loathing because other people have all of these negative assumptions about us. It's just cruel because, you know, at least the way that I grew up in the school that, like, I went to, like, they were really hard on the, you know, 
Don't ever say can't. Always ask for help. Always believe in yourself. Like these platitudes that are like meaningless now, but like you kind of needed to hear as a kid, you know? And and I think that like looking back, I think part of the reason that they were into that is because that was sort of like baby's first shield against internalized ableism. Like, you know, they were preempting us without us even knowing that the world doesn't like us. Like th- this here is safe. The outside world isn't. And when you get there, here's what you need to remember. <laughs> and I remember thinking it was so corny at the time. And, and, and as an adult, I, I really think it's super corny. But I can appreciate the fact that, like, it was probably necessary for a bunch of kids. Did you ever believe it, though? Like, when you're told, don't say can't. Don't say that I no. can't do something. No, that, well, that's, that's why it was so corny. Like, I didn't. But maybe someone did. But like even, you know, even though I didn't internalize it, it it got to me. It did because like I was so stubborn for a very long time to say that I couldn't unless it was something that I straight up couldn't do. Like, you know, there's a line, you know, it's like I could I can't jump rope. I can't ride a bike. But I tried, though. I tried. And it took a long time for me to give up and be like, this is just not for me. Yeah. And I'm thinking about it from a perspective of aspirations when you grow up. I mean, if I said I wanted to be a firefighter, was that really (laughs) a realistic goal for me? You know, you know, growing up when I grew up in the early 2000s, every boy wanted to be a police officer. And my my parents were just like, you're not going to be a cop. (laughs) 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 They were, you know, and I'm so glad that they did that. And it's not just it's I'm not saying that for political reasons at all. I'm I'm literally just like, I'm so glad that they sat me down and were like, that's just not going to happen. And I didn't understand it at the time because I was like five years old or six, however old I was. I was too young. But like that matter of factness, like at the time, it probably hurt my feelings. But now I can think back to it and be like, yeah, they were right. So where's that balance between you can do whatever you set your mind to, but also the world is kind of working against you. And also you're probably working against yourself by internalizing attitudes. Well, I think that the reason I was late to the party with internalizing those attitudes is because I had such like positivity in my life. I, I don't like when people use positivity as a crutch to deal with ableism. Like if you're a positive person in general, like whatever, that's fine. Good for you. I wish I was like that. But if, if you use like this false positivity that we were fed to like combat the feelings that you're feeling instead of talking about them, I don't like that. And I think that that's what was happening to me like later in life. And it just stopped working. You know what I mean? Like there I am like 18, fresh out of high school. Right. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to say I can't, I can do it if I try, but it's like, no, no, I really can't. And that's okay. And I think I accepted that early, but you know, I don't know if everyone I grew up with did, or I don't know if every disabled person does. And I, I, it's, it's hard to let go of that. I think I had a couple of moments where there were really stark reminders that there were certain mm-hmm. things that I thought I could do that other people didn't think I could do. And then I began to internalize it. So probably a good example of that is 
that I thought I was going to be a high school English teacher. And I was about to start the the student teaching program. And then one of the student teaching program organizers or whatever said to me, you know, I wasn't really sure how we were going to manage having you student teach. You know, how were you going to get back and forth? Because I wasn't driving at the time. And, And she just seemed like she was almost relieved that I had decided not to go ahead with the student teaching program. And I think it was in that moment that I realized, oh, other people think I can't do this. So sometimes you do believe that you can do something and then suddenly someone else like plants that seed of doubt in you. And then I think that's where a lot of internalized ableism comes from, at least in terms of capability. Is that where you decided to not do that? Like it, I know ultimately she's not the reason you decided not to pursue that, but partially? No. I'm just curious. I mean, I had honestly gone to her to tell her I was pretty much set on withdrawing from the program, but I think Mm. it was just the lack of protest from her that made me realize, like, oh, she didn't really have faith in me. (laughs) Like, she didn't think I could do this. So (laughs) it all turned out for the best. So, you know, I don't know if that's the greatest example, but in the moment, that was like a reminder that oh, yeah, other people think I can't do things. It's it's funny because, like, when I do it to myself, and this is, like, so, like this is ironic, right, because we're talking about internalized ableism, but, like, I hate it so much more when other people do it. But it's probably more damaging when I do it to myself. Oh, absolutely. But it's a vicious cycle that you can't get out of. It's, like, an extra layer of insecurity. And if it's not about my ability to do something it's very often about how i look so see i that's something that i yeah it i totally agree there's multiple layers to this sometimes i internalize the feeling of being unable but more often than not my particular brand of internalized ableism has a lot to do with two things first of all my appearance and second of all my feelings of being a burden to other people. I 100% agree. And I think that that's because it speaks to sort of a different issue where like the more disabled that you look, you guys can't see, but I just did some air quotes. The greater the assumption is of the inability to do anything, whether or not it's actually true, which is kind of the point. So like it's different when someone assumes so that I can't do something and then I do. It's like a pleasant surprise for them. And they maybe realize that they shouldn't have done that. But if we look more disabled, those things are so, those assumptions are not only made, but like also like already like ingrained. And like you're not coming at it from the same place anymore. You're no longer an equal. Yeah. I know there's so many assumptions that people make when they look at me, but then those assumptions change when I start to talk to them, which is ableist in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Because why did I have to verbally communicate with you in order for you to not make assumptions about me as a person? Well, you know, verbal communication is literally the only way to communicate. There's no other way whatsoever. No other way. <laughs> Sarcasm, obviously. But I think for me, despite the fact that there's nothing I can do to not particularly look disabled in the sense that I will always be seen with my wheelchair, I still have my limits. And this is so silly, but this has been on my mind because the other day I saw a person on Twitter actually posting about how they got a headrest 
for their wheelchair and they felt like getting the headrest meant that they would no longer look like a badass. And that resonated with me so much because I have such a problem with having a headrest on my wheelchair because I feel like that's my line. That makes me look too disabled. And that's clearly a matter of internalized ableism. But then I have to stop and ask myself like, oh, the rest of the 400 pound tank on my butt doesn't make me look disabled. But that headrest, yeah, fine. That headrest yeah. is over the line. I, I feel that way with mobility it's i'm not shaming anyone who uses them and i i use like a cane for super long distances like when i need one that that whole feeling goes out the window because i don't give a if i really need it but um yeah i feel that way with mobility it's i think that people i think it's different like if i'm walking still obviously it's way different if, if i'm still like ambulating than if you're using a wheelchair but i feel like in my case, I'm probably more likely to get sympathy where you're more likely to get pity. And both of those things are not very good. That's an interesting distinction, though. And I think you're absolutely yeah. right. I feel like people feel bad for you, but sorry for me. And I do think they're the difference. Oh, yeah, they're totally. And it's it's super unfair. It's it's like, one, we didn't ask for this. And and two, it's like, well, why don't you feel sorry for me? Why don't you feel bad for her? Like, what what is that difference? I mean, you shouldn't feel anything either way, but like, I think it's because like, I think people think wheelchairs mean you're more disabled and I'm, I'm using more like very broadly here. Like I, but I feel like if, especially if you're young, a wheelchair just means something is wrong rather than like something has happened and will be fixed. Wheelchair seems to be the universal symbol for disabled, which, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it literally is the universal no, symbol. No, yeah, it is. But also, I think that people presume that there's only one way to look disabled and that it's being a wheelchair user. So where were they going with this? Oh, but one interesting thing, and I guess this is not internalized ableism so much as it is just grappling with other people's assumptions when they look at me. While I've been healing from my injury, I've had a cast on my leg. And I honestly can't remember if I said this in the episode that we recorded about it. So listeners, forgive me if I did. But basically, I think people now look at the cast and they're like, oh, she's legit. That's why she's using a wheelchair. Yeah, totally. I get it. She'll be out of that in no time. See, that's that's funny to me. Because, I mean, not just because you won't, but it's just like, it's just like there's something else about you that suddenly makes the mystery in their mind make sense, even though it's just not true. Right. Like, otherwise, why was she sitting in that? She looks perfectly fine. Keep, you should put hinges on a cast and, like, put one on your leg <laughs> whenever you go anywhere. Yeah. It would I really save so to. many awkward moments. <laughs> and then just pop it off. Surprise. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, surprise, I needed this the whole time. Oh, well, that's, that's <laughs> your real trick. I was saying that, like, your wheelchair really isn't because of but the, No, I like your idea better. You should definitely do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on walking. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, internalized ableism is a big thing for me in terms of um, capability and in terms of appearance. But another thing that I've been thinking about and I know I didn't warn you about this beforehand. There was an article I read. I should have sent it to you, but let's just go with it. Um, so there was an article in the Washington Post, and it was a kind of case study, if you will, on female caregivers of paralyzed men. 
okay. who had become injured later in life. Mm-hmm. And the article made really important points about the fact that caregiving for a disabled family member can often be a lot of work and require round the clock care and that care goes uncompensated and people have to quit their jobs in order to give the care and they can't afford outside care because insurance puts so many limits on you in terms of the amount of assets that you have and the amount of hours of care that you're eligible for. And then you can't get married because that will reduce your um, benefits and things like that. So the article pointed all of that out, but it also painted disabled people, the husbands, the paralyzed husbands in the article specifically as being burdens and didn't really quote them or get their sides of the story at all. And so that's my biggest issue with internalized ableism is I am constantly fighting against the feeling that I am a burden and constantly having society reiterate to me that I am one. You said you said disabled men and female caregivers are are these caregivers their spouses like their wives girlfriends you said spouse yeah. oh but but yeah. they but they're not they're not strangers no they're they're basically girlfriend spouse lover caregiver mm-hmm. all in one okay. combo deal and every time I read an article like that. On the one hand, I appreciate the policy points because I absolutely think that insurance needs to do a better job of providing for care. And I understand that caregiving is certainly quite a lot of work. But I can't shake this feeling that I, too, am a huge burden on everyone. And I don't know if that's where being, quote unquote, more disabled than you comes in. I mean, do you ever have that burdensome feeling? Yeah. I mean, well, actually, just before we get into this, while we're here, uh, the Biden administration should absolutely fund home and community-based services so that problems like this should cease to exist or at least are very alleviated. Thank you. Off my soapbox. (laughs) One I completely agree with. We could do a whole episode. Um, We should bring in an expert on that. Anyway, that's for another day. We should. That's a great idea. Um, Anyway, but I I don't really feel it. I get I, – I have fleeting feelings of what it might be like when I'm older is what I think. Like I don't feel it now, but I, I know it's coming. Like I don't think it's coming. I'm sure that at some point – I don't know if I'm going to need external care. Like I don't know if I'm going to need a caregiver. But I also, you know, don't want to put any responsibility – on, you know, my wife that she didn't sign up for, even though it's probably going to happen. Like, that bothers me. He's not married yet. I'm not married yet. Wife <laughs> to be. into the future. No, yeah, sorry. Thank you. That was, <laughs> no, but but really, but really, like, that. that's what I think about. It's like, I know that your spouse is supposed to be with you, you know, what, richer, poor, sickness, health, whatever, whatever, whatever they say. I don't know. I've never been married. But um, <laughs> but there is, I, I, you know, there's a point where it's like, okay, but is this what I signed up for? And I look at those stories, especially when I see them where it's like a wife takes care of a husband who lost all, her li- all his limbs. It's like, I don't think you deserve praise for it. Like, I don't think that that makes you newsworthy. <laughs> but I do think 
that it unfortunately makes you atypical because I think that a lot of people would say like, that's too much for me. I don't know if most people would like blame them for leaving. I don't even know if I would. And I'm over here saying that they should stay. Right. And, and th- so that, that's what I think about. It's like, I'm okay now and I'm independent now and I'll probably be independent when I get married, but I don't, it's not going to last forever. And so, yeah, I feel that way for later. And that's what I struggle with currently, especially while I've been dealing with my, I was going to say industry, injury. (laughs) Um, I've required more care. And I remember the first time that I asked my boyfriend to help me with going to the bathroom. Not that he hasn't like helped me with plenty of things before, but in this very specific moment after, you know, my injury and he was helping me use the restroom. And I know that's a very common thing for a lot of caregivers. And I've certainly been helped to the bathroom plenty of times by plenty of people. Uh, but, but not him. Yeah, not not in that particular way. And I really had to grapple with that internally because I'm sitting there thinking, this is it. He's going to leave me. You know, like this is too much for him and uh, not the case. But for me, I've had to talk to him repeatedly just to get it out of my system about how I'm constantly feeling like one day I'm just going to put him over the edge with whatever caregiving that I need. And I feel like I've internalized that because that's the message constantly sent that like, you know, you're a burden. And I wish that we could have these nuanced conversations where it's like, yes, caregivers of disabled people do go above and beyond, but also don't talk about the disabled person like they're just a burden. We really do need to do that episode on home and community-based services. We really do. We really do. Because – no, the reason I'm saying that again though is because if this was adequately funded and like, you know, you didn't have to worry about it as much as you do, I'm going to guess you probably wouldn't feel that way or at least not nearly as much. Well, if you You knew that you had financial unrestricted access to the care that you needed, yeah, I think that would alleviate – a strong feeling of being burdensome. Mm-hmm. And and so although it the the feelings are internal, and although like we say this to ourselves, the the causes of those feelings um, are very much not internal, <laughs> and that's probably true for a lot of what we regard as internalized ableism. Oh yeah, it's systemic issues that cause these feelings of internalized ableism because honestly I think that if our systems were set up to actually empower disabled people to get the care that they need in a setting that works for them then we wouldn't be having these conversations because there would be a much stronger balance between you know loved ones providing caregiving and not having the financial hurdles and you know, having access to the services that you need. So, yeah, I mean, I think about that a lot. But at the same time, regardless of policy issues, I still have these feelings that I can't shake. Like, how, oh, yeah. how do I... I tell other people, I would tell any other person, do not ever call yourself a burden. Don't call yourself a burden. Me, though? Oh, man, I am like... The world's biggest burden. Oh, yeah. 
Same. I, I, it, 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 I find myself worrying about it in the, in the stupid, like the most mundane, like if I ever propose, I can't get down on one knee. Does she care? I know she doesn't care. I care. I care a lot. <laughs> it bothers me. Why? It's stupid. That's not the way you have to do it, but it's the way that like you have to do it. And it's, it's, that's things like that, but it's always little things like that. You know, it's, it's death by a thousand cuts. I don't feel like a burden as a guy, but like little things that I have to worry about and do and compensate for in life. all add up to me being this giant pain in the ass to anyone who's, who I'm unfortunately in the room with. And I feel that. I think that relates back to the gender episode that we did. Uh, True. Where we were talking about, you know, how disability and performing gender kind of are intertwined. And mm-hmm. I guess for me, and I, I say this knowing full well that my grandma listens to this podcast, but I'm going to say it Sorry, anyway. Grandma. Sorry, Grandma. Um, for me, and I probably at least alluded to this in the gender episode, this just goes to show you my injury has fried my brain, even though it had nothing to do with brain injury, but like it threw me off completely. So I can't like remember things from the beginning of this year, but with, uh, disability and gender, um, every scene in a movie tells you that you should get down on one knee. Every scene in a movie tells me that like my foot should pop when I'm kissing my boyfriend. And that- has anyone ever actually done that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Sorry. <laughs> and- if you've done that, can you please send us a message? <laughs> like, let me know. And then every scene in a movie tells me that my boyfriend should be able to just like pick me up and throw me into the bed or that, you know, I should just be able to climb on top of him. And, like, none of that is physically true for me. Therefore, I internalize that I am somehow less of a woman or not as good of a girlfriend or whatever the case may be. And so that is internalized ableism that's, like, a direct result of there's some societal norm that we see over and over again, but we can't replicate it ourselves. And it's not even one that I would call, you know, there's a lot of societal norms that I'm like, should it be that way? Probably not, you know, but th- these are ones that are pretty much innocent. Like, should they be this way? Yeah, pro- there's probably no good reason for it. But like, there's not there's nothing wrong with them. Right. And so, yeah. And and just as you said, too, like how you're your biggest burden. Like if I was if you in a private setting, if you express this to me, I'd be like, what the f- do you care for? Like, you know, and if I said that to you, you'd probably say the same to me. But like, no, that those feelings are real. And I'm realizing now, and this is the whole definition of internalized ableism. It's like, it's coming from me, even though like, I know I don't care, but I do like my lizard brain. Some part of me really does care a lot. And yeah, it's crazy. It's, I don't like it. I think I'm just remembering now also, and this kind of goes back to appearance, but um Sometimes you just don't think about it at all. Like sometimes you don't think about it until you're confronted with it. I remember you saying something about catching yourself in a mirror walking. Oh, I hate that. Oh, God. it's I hate that so much. Yeah. Talk more about that. It's a perfect example. Like, okay, so I, I limp when I walk and I don't I don't see it like through my eyes. I don't see it. 
I know it's there because I can see it if I look at my feet, but I don't see it and I don't feel it. Uh, if I pass a mirror and I catch myself in it, I'm like disgusted. I'm like gross. Like, it's not like I'm grotesque, but it's like, is that, is that me? God, I left the house like that. Why? How is no one saying anything to me? But it's like, it's because nobody cares. Right. And, and also, <laughs> like, you would never, ever say that to anybody else. Oh, God, no. No, of course not. And 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 the other thing, too, is like, I don't even know. Th- that one actually kind of baffles me because it, it's sort of like a physical version of hearing your own voice, but worse. You Does know, no one likes to, to you because you have. Yeah, I hate the sound. No, I hate the sound because yeah, but the the voice I hear in my head is like way cooler than what you hear. It is, and I can appreciate that other people think that my voice is nice. Thank you, but I can't stand it. Although years and years of editing this podcast have made me sort of not very sensitive to the sound of my voice anymore. <laughs> but to that end, you know, when I record myself. When I walk on camera, when I catch myself in a mirror, I'm like, God, I, you know, when I think of my CP, I don't think, oh, wow, I'm super disabled. I think, oh, God, how lucky am I that I don't have to use a wheelchair like some people do. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like I, you know, but then when I see myself, I'm like, oh, man, maybe I should. I, that's how I walk. God, like it's just, it's just it looks so bad. But then no one cares. Internalized ableism is a terrible thing. It's because we are our own worst enemies. Like I say some nasty things to myself, just like mm-hmm. you were saying about yourself. I say yeah. some nasty things to myself, would not even think them about other people, would not even occur to me to think it about someone else. But me, no, I'm I'm gross. I'm disgusting. This wheelchair, this headrest, oh man, I am like an unapproachable beast. And the funny thing is, I can't do anything about how I will. I mean, yes, I can, but like it's not going to fix it to the point where I won't look silly in a mirror. But that's fine because I don't I don't avoid mirrors. You know, I don't I don't hate it that much. But it's like, for example, if I had crutches. Oh, no. No, that's that's unacceptable. You know, if I had like an exosim brace. No way. Even though really it's not because I feel like you would use them if it came down to it. Of course. No, no. I. I, Yes, absolutely. If I if I needed them like to, to live. Um, and I'm stubborn and, you know, I'll do it until the very last day before I can't anymore. But if I needed them, I would. So, yeah, it's a little different. But like right now, that's unacceptable. But even even things that are invisible are unacceptable to me, like a shoe insert that would make my like limp a little less limpy. <laughs> no way I'm doing that. Why wouldn't you use a shoe insert? I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight know. back on I that one. No, I don't know. You should fight back on it. It's stupid that I won't do it. It's so dumb. But I don't. Get a damn insert. Are you kidding me? Would that actually solve your problems? Would, no, I mean, but it would help. It, it would it would mitigate them a little bit. I am rolling my eyes so hard right you now. You should. You should. That's the point of this episode. It's so But it's also, so like, if you were like, Emily, wouldn't it be really great if you could lean your head back so that your neck wouldn't hurt so much and put your address on? I'd be like, ah, you. You know? Right. So. No. It, it, I, I don't. But, like, no one's going to care. You know, unless I had like an iron lung that I had to be wheeled around in. Like, I don't think anyone would actually care. And so. Well, even if you had an iron lung, what do you mean by care? Like notice? Oh, well, yeah, I did mean notice. That's not true. People would notice crutches. You're right. But like, 
I I mean like I don't think I would get that much more stared at because I know now I know how I look when I walk and I don't get stared at. I don't think if I had crutches as an adult I would get stared at too much more. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel very strongly like I need to add this caveat because I know that we know this. Um, but just in case anybody listening is like they're being so ableist right now, like I really need to clarify, yes, that is the point, but we are directing it at ourselves. Like, this is not us being ableist towards anyone else. This is like, we have internalized all of these horrible ableist beliefs and turned them back on ourselves. And so I just want people to very clearly understand, I am not placing a value judgment on anyone or anything or anyone's choices. This is just me talking and Kyle talking about things that we have grappled with internally because society tells us that these things are like bad or wrong or unattractive or whatever the case is. Yeah. Took me this 30 not, minutes to make that disclaimer. We'll but put, I really a, we'll put, like we'll I put a little to. disclaimer also at the beginning, but, but this is not like, I'm not, you know, talking, I wouldn't judge anyone for using any mobility ad, for example, you do you. And I'm not thinking any less of you, but I'm saying I would think less of me if I use them, unless I needed them. In which case, it's a critical as all get out, but we can't help no, ourselves. It, it it is, and you know, but if I, but the difference is though, if I needed them, I would, I would like deal with that while using them. I wouldn't flat out refuse. I'm not. I'm not past that. Yeah. But I definitely, I've seen lots of other disabled people that I know post about how, you know, when they finally gave in to something that they were worried about, it actually improved their life. And so I'm going to have a fight with you offline about shoe inserts or whatever. But Okay. (laughs) You want to know how deep it goes, though? This is so stupid now. I used to cheat on my eye test because I didn't want glasses. You know, I got glasses when I was 16. You know when I could have had them? When I was like nine. You didn't want glasses. I, I love how you there's look with glasses. Me too. There's nothing wrong with glasses at all. Glasses aren't even thought of as disabled. <laughs> even you know, though they're very everyone, much assistive technology. Isn't that funny? I think that's funny. And, yeah. and you know what's even weirder to me is that hearing aids, not the same at all. Even though... Like, for your ear, it does the same thing that glasses do for your eyes. But for some reason with hearing aids, there's, like, it's a smaller stigma than a wheelchair, but it is there. Meanwhile, glasses are just, like, a thing people have. Well, I got my hearing aids. We did a whole episode about it, and then I just kind of have given up on them for many reasons. Because I'm stubborn. Because we're all stubborn. Because human beings are so stubborn. We would tell anybody else to do the right thing for themselves. But when it comes to us, we're just like, we're going to make our lives as difficult as possible. Because it's better that way, even though it's not. Man, you cheated on your eye tests? Oh, yeah. I used to put myself in line behind a guy with 20-20 vision, and I would, like, memorize what he said. (gasps) I'm telling your mother. Yeah, I told her. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> you know what was cool though? No, the reason that it, it's not just that I cheated. I actually am I'm I'm very good nearsighted. So when they would do the reading test where they would like put a little plastic thing and hold a thing like far away from you to read, I would always be able to read the smallest print because I can without glasses. That's just how my eyes are. So they never really thought too much. So you're about, farsighted? No, I'm nearsighted. I'm nearsighted. I can I I yeah, you and I have the same vision ish, I think. But I'll try on your glasses next time I see you. There you go. I'm I'm minus three in both eyes, ish. 
I have the paper around here somewhere. I don't really know uh, what you, I am. You don't. You don't. You don't have your prescription memorized. Memorized? <laughs> no, no, I don't. But I am actually. I'm getting new glasses. They are in process right now. I, I'm getting in the next month. Super pumped because the both of them they're kind of like cat eye ish. Very you look thrilled. Great in cat eye glasses. I'm thrilled. I can't wait. So you, yeah. I, I need new glasses. These ones are not good anymore. I can still see out of them. So, but they anyway. work though. They, they do their yeah, job they work. and they look, they, they look lovely on you. Do, you. do you think the shape works? Yeah. I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. Everybody sitting here listening is like, stop talking about things that we can't see. So I will audio describe accessibility. Kyle is wearing a pair of black rimmed glasses. I would say they're like flat on the top. But they're kind of rounded on the bottom. Yeah. Are they like plastic? They are. They are. Yeah. They're Warby Parker. And I'm a huge stand for them. Oh, Warby cheap. Parker is so cool. I've never tried them. Sponsor us, Warby Parker. No, honestly, if I mean, if you can afford designer glasses and you want them, God bless you. Uh, but I have to re-up like every year. And so I like cheap glasses. And they're a perfect middle ground between like designer name brand glasses and zenny not it's amazing how much they charge for a pair of glasses just because someone's name is on it are you kidding me i know i hate that yeah it's not yeah oh infuriating wow so so off topic um anyway internalized ableism i have it kyle has it we got it and i think it's important to recognize that you listening probably have it too. And don't lie now. Ooh, and it's whether, okay. Whether or not you're disabled, though, I think we you all probably have also, internalized yeah, ableism. That's, oh, that's go off, Emily. That's a really good point. <laughs> I think, yeah, able bodied people probably have, I don't want to say they, they have a different sort of internalized ableism, but like if you are an able bodied listener, and you see someone in a wheelchair, like wheel into your place of work, that feeling that you have means that you have some kind of internalized ableism. Yeah, not not in the sense, I mean, possibly you could be judging that person. So we can work on those feelings, but more so you could be like, oh, I don't want that to be me. Or like you break your leg for, you like you break your leg and it's like, oh my God, my life is over. Even if you're like super inspired by their existence, like even if it's a positive feeling, I would say it's, it's still ableism. Like any sort of different treatment because of a disability, even if it's, I mean, inspiration porn is not positive, but like even though, you know, it's a positive rooted feeling, it's still rooted in those bad uh, in ableism, which is not good. But I'm saying like turning it inwards to yourself and being like, Oh man, like, you know, my knee my knee hurts, my body is failing or like, you know, I can't wear a wrist brace because my wrist hurts because I don't want people judging me for how I look, you know, stuff like that. So I think yeah. that we all just have these assumptions about like what is and is not okay in terms of public facing um acknowledgement or visibility for disability. Mhm. So that that's my hot take is that we all have internalized ableism. And on that note, should we come to some final takeaways? My final takeaway is even though 
um, you listening to this, especially if you're disabled, you probably know that you feel this way. Um, you know, just know that we don't think of you that way. I can't speak for every other person, but you know, internalized ableism is called internal for a reason. You're probably the only person saying those things to yourself about yourself. Maybe, hopefully. I think, can I, I would say, I think there are plenty of people who are ableist and who are going to judge you, but like as hard as it is to grapple with that feeling that ableism mm. is real and it exists and people direct it towards you, like focus on working through it inside yourself because living with internalized ableism is hard. It's hard and we shouldn't have to. And it's okay to put yourself first and take care of yourself and deal with those emotions. And I know it's a challenge when you're constantly being confronted with different types of ableism, but you know, don't, don't let yourself sit in those feelings too long because you're worth so much more than that. Sorry, I just went all motivational speaker on you. So You're so um, inspiring. I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to. You're so it. inspiring. That's all. Very inspirational. <laughs> no, I echo Emily's sentiments 100%. She says everything better than I say them. I feel like I have internalized ableismed myself out. Have you? Well, I don't know, but I do know if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash the accessible stall. Uh, just $1 a month ensures that we will not get yelled at by eggs on Twitter about not having transcripts on our episodes. <laughs> but also seriously, transcribe your podcast. Oh my goodness. Accessibility, please. Hashtag accessibility, please. Hashtag accessibility now. I don't know why we're asking. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you. we're telling you. We're not asking you. We're telling you. This please is sarcastic. May we say you look great today. You do. You look so good. You're beautiful. You're not a burden. But you might be a bird. <laughs> what? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> good night, everybody. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.